From the EPR Creation Studio, this is Jason Staples bringing you the Unconquered Podcast. This time we're doing the NC State Preview. As always, this podcast brought to you by EPR Creations, bringing the best of website development and internet marketing for an affordable price. If you have any need for an improved internet presence or just better marketing or sales management, they're the people to talk to. Information's in the show notes. Let them know you heard about them from the Unconquered Podcast. So after managing to compete well with Clemson on the road in a game where, again, you had every opportunity to win, defense played overall pretty well, played to expectation against a Clemson team that executed offensively. You know, they pitched and they pitched it and caught it better than than they had all all season, not because the coverage wasn't there, but just they they actually caught balls that they hadn't caught a good portion of the season. It's what you get sometimes. But overall, the uh, Florida State defense that played well continues to improve over the course of the season as they've gotten some guys into, into some spots where they, they fit better. That, that all bodes well. And uh, then you move into, well, you know, the offense is what they are. They've got their limitations. That's fine. You, you feel pretty good going into the NC State game, and then this week happens in terms of, of preparation and the flu bug that has been ravaging the Florida State campus and suddenly this game looks a lot less friendly. Uh, there's been an, a significant portion of the team that has been impacted by that, including some very important players. And, uh, you know, that, that's going to that's gonna be one of the biggest factors in this game is who's going to be able to play and how well were they really able to prepare over the course of the week for an NC State team that beat Clemson, that dominated Clemson. Frankly, the the scoreboard was was closer than the uh, than the actual game itself. If you watch that, so preparation impacted, and uh, you know, obviously the the most concerning question on that is whether or not uh, Jordan Travis is actually going to play in this game. Obviously, Florida State is not the the same team when he's not on the field at this point. So it's going to be interesting to see how that all transpires, and in, in terms of who's healthy and who's able to. Uh, to go for Florida state this week. So that's something that, um, you know, obviously they're not wanting to have a whole, whole lot of information released on that. And there's also, there's also uncertainty within the building in terms of who's actually going to be healthy enough and ready to play and who might end up being impacted late by this, uh, you know, going into the weekend by this uh, flu virus that has been ravaging the Florida state campus. All that said, this was also the week that Chubba Purdy decided that, enough was enough and he was going to move on from Florida State entered the transfer portal with a thanks to Florida State fans and others while conspicuously leaving an absence not thanking the Florida State coaches uh you can d- definitely tell that there was some bad blood by the end of that in terms of uh of Purdy's relationship with the Florida State coaching staff not exactly a guy who's going to try the portal and then come back uh the those bridges have been burned and it is what it is at this point. But uh, this was, in a lot of ways, a, a just terrible week for Purdy to, be, to bail because of some of the questions around health and, and other things. I mean, if this is a game where you don't have Jordan Travis, this is a game that Chubba Purdy would have had an opportunity to potentially, to potentially be the guy. With Mackenzie Milton, you know, not necessarily as reliable as, as what you'd like in terms of his... Uh, physical capacity and Purdy having looked pretty decent against UMass 
this would have been a week where he could have he could have potentially had an opportunity to uh, to put himself in position to compete for the job last year or next year in the in the spring, but he he ultimately decided that he had not played enough this season was not real happy with the fact that while Florida State was was struggling and was unable to win that they went with Mackenzie Milton instead of him and that was that ultimately he felt like uh, the coaching staff just was not in his corner. And that's that. But to that, I say, look, if you don't fully commit, don't expect full commitment in return. If you know, if you don't go out and earn your spot and, and, and do what you can to get the coaching staff on your side, don't complain when they're not on your side, when they don't just say, Hey, you seem like a talented guy. Why don't we put you out there? No, you have to earn your spot. Coaches are really interested in winning games and they're really interested in playing guys who've actually earned their time. And, you know, if you go out there and you feel entitled to, to time, even though you haven't actually earned it, you haven't proven that you're ready to go, well, that's that. Now, of course, like I said, this leaves Florida State in a bad spot moving not only this season, but moving forward. I mean, Purdy was a guy that they were counting on to compete for the job in the spring, along with A.J. Duffy, uh, who's coming in from IMG, and, of course, Jordan Travis. So... Now they're they're left in a spot where they've got Travis, they're going to have Duffy coming in and then you got Rodemaker and there's just it's it's not the best situation. Florida State's quarterback room has not been super healthy for a long time and this is not a uh, a positive development in that front. Although again, if you've got a guy who's just decided he doesn't want to actually work for it, well, you know, maybe addition by subtraction at that point. That does mean that you've got to consider maybe bringing in another arm in the transfer market next year. Although again, I, if, if I'm Florida state, I would have already been exploring that. I would have been looking at which potential players that could, could come in and start right away might be accessible through the transfer portal. Uh, with the exception of Spencer Rattler, who I'm not interested in, in having in Tallahassee, even though he is pretty talented, uh, this is one of those things where you're bringing in, you, you've got a fragile culture. I think for a guy like Rattler, you've got to have a strong culture to be able to bring him in. So, you know, I know there's some people who've said, yeah, you know, he'd be a natural fit in Tallahassee, including one Lee Corso. I'm just not quite so sure that that's a, a great idea. But we'll see what Norvell and, and Dillingham think on that. Uh, there's going to be some opportunities for sure to chase some some quarterbacks who have some talent in the, in the portal this offseason. Now, of course, Duffy is a guy that, I think a lot of as a prospect uh, didn't have quite as as good a season at IMG as he had hoped and as maybe had been expected. And then, of course, that season cut short here uh, two games before the end of the season. Uh, he apparently dislocated a finger on his throwing hand and decided it's time to go ahead and call it with two games left. And he's headed home. He's going to spend time with family while finishing up a semester and then get ready to enroll at Florida State. So. Uh, basically making a business decision and saying, yep, I came to IMG for development and, and all of this. Now that I'm no longer going to be doing that, I'm just going to go ahead and go home. Well, that's understandable. And the main thing is that Florida State's going to get him uh, early enrolled and get, get give him every opportunity to compete for the job. But again, th- this is going to be one of those things where they need to get somebody somebody else, I think, just to have enough arms you're going to need to have somebody else come in from the transfer portal, most likely, in order to make sure that they have adequate depth on the roster. And ideally, you bring in somebody who can compete for the job. We'll see how that all goes. But uh, 
this is this is an important and interesting development moving forward with Duffy leaving Florida State. Now, I also want to address one uh, one particular question that came in. This is about a week and a half ago that uh, I just hadn't been able to get to on air. Uh, that I think is an important question. Uh, I had mentioned in uh, the question and answer podcast. I'd mentioned that I, I felt it was imperative that Florida State land some top end edges in this class, particularly thinking of Mar- uh, Marvin Jones Jr. and Nigelic Kelly. Those guys are the kind of guys that they need to land in this class. And I, I, I was asked, and I'm not, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't remember exactly who uh, who sent this, and uh, I don't have it handy. But I was asked, you know, does the fact that I think that those guys would play right away and that they're that landing them is so imperative does that reflect on my view of say Patrick Payton and uh Byron Turner and George Wilson the edge guys that Florida State landed in the last class does that reflect on does that negatively reflect on their ability moving forward or is this just about needing to add upgraded talent uh, to me it's a little bit of it's a little bit more the it's a good bit more the latter it's it's more about Look, you've got the opportunity to land not good talent, but elite talent at that spot. And that's a critical spot in today's game. Always has been a critical spot, but that's that's a critical spot if Florida State wants to get back to what they've been. And I do think that that Peyton and and Wilson in particular have the length and the twitch to develop into good edges. But the fact is that those guys were more raw and were more uh more of a, more projects at that position than what you're looking at with say Jones Jr. Kelly. Uh Jones Jr. in particular is a guy that I mean he's been brought up. He's been bred to do what he's doing and he's going to be a guy that is a plug and play guy who can play and contribute day one. Especially as an early enrollee, he's going to be a guy that that can come in and and he's ready made and he's got enough size and and strength at this stage to be able to hold up more early on. Whereas, you know, George Wilson came in at 189 pounds. He's still got a long way to go in terms of development. Does that mean that he won't develop? Does that mean that he won't actually be a guy that can play? No, I, I think he he will potentially become that guy, and Peyton all the more so. And Turner has a chance to become a good player. But all of those guys are, that they require more development. And anytime you can add elite pieces you do that. And they they need to add those elite pieces, partly because those guys would probably jump over Peyton and Wilson and, and certainly Turner in the short run. And then those guys would be able to, over the, over the course of the next couple of years, they would be able to rotate and get the most out of the skill sets of Peyton and Wilson and Turner as they mix in with the freshmen that they would be getting. So I think that's something to think about is that it's not that I don't think Patrick Payton can or will develop into a really good edge guy and a guy who can be potentially a, you know, eight, nine sack, sack per year type guy. I think he could be that. But do I think he's going to be an elite edge next year? Probably not. He's going to be a guy that you rotate in that gets important reps, but is not the, uh, is not immediately elite. And again, when you're playing, when you're playing, playing true freshmen on the edge, they're not going to be immediately elite, but they're going to be immediate contenders uh, for for playing time and immediate contributors. 
and the more you have multiple bodies that can that can rotate in and out at that spot that can really play the better off you're going to be when they're young bodies so I, I just think that's that's really imperative the more that they also can upgrade some of the depth at the at the defensive tackle positions the better because again you're looking at love it and and perhaps even cooper being able to uh think about going on to the next level and i think love it's probably gone after this season with the way that he's played, he's played this season like it's a contract year and he has earned his, his, uh, his draft position. So, you know, you kind of have to figure he's not going to be there next year. You need, you've got a big gap, a big hole to plug at that point, even though you can, you're probably going to put in Dennis Briggs next year in that spot. You still have to figure out how that, that depth is going to, going to work out. And, you know, Ray and Jackson have been developing there, but if you can add another really top end body at that spot, you, you feel pretty good about that. So, to me, number one is you're always trying to recruit over the guys that you have on the roster. If you can upgrade the talent compared to what you have on the roster, you do that. Number two, you do everything that you can to maximize the development of those guys that you have on the roster by ensuring that they're put into positions where they can actually play in areas that maximize their capacity, their current capacity. And that's something that, again, bringing in some of that elite talent would do. So. That's that's my two cents on on that matter. Now, um, let's go ahead and move into the NC State preview itself. This uh, we're going to start with the North Carolina State defense versus the Florida State offense. But if you actually want to be on offense on the real estate market and you live in the greater Jacksonville area, you need to talk to Lewis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville. He's the best in the business out there. Tell him you heard about him from the Unconquered podcast. Information is in the show notes. So when we look at the NC State defense and the Florida State offense, uh, the first thing to note is that NC State's defense was one of the best in the country early in the year. They were dominant early in the season. Just through the first four games, they gave up 4.32 yards per play, which would be good right now for fourth in the country behind Georgia, Wisconsin, and Cincinnati. That's, That's elite defense. So NC State in the first four games of the season was flat out elite against USF. 4.1 4.1 yards per play. Mississippi State, 4.9 yards per play. Furman, 3.7. That's part of where that comes from. And then Clemson, 4.37. I mean, that is elite defense from NC State. But in the process of all of that happening, they they since have lost two linebackers. Peyton Wilson, the preseason ACC, all-ACC pick. Guy I actually coached against in high school who's a really, really good athlete. He was hurt against Mississippi State, which was their third game, second second game, I'm sorry, in their second game, and uh, and that impacted them uh, beyond that. And then uh, Isaiah Moore was hurt against Miami a couple weeks ago. And between that, they lost defensive tackle C.J. Clark. They lost safety Cyrus Fagan, who should sound, his name should sound familiar to Florida State fans. And since they've lost all that talent, they've just, they've been sort of hemorrhaging talent on defense to the injury bug. Over the first four games, they gave up 4.32 yards per play. And like I said, that would be good for fourth in the country. Over the past four games, they've given up 5.58 yards per play, which if we were looking at the past four games, that would slot them in at about 64th in the country. So there's your difference in terms. And and by the way, that's worse 
Florida State on the season is giving up 5.32. So over the last four games, NC State's defense has been more porous than Florida State's defense has been on the year as a whole. So essentially, they've been two different teams defensively on over the course of the year. The elite defense in the first four games, and then the team that's 64th, essentially, in the last four games, as they've given up 6.08 yard, uh, yards per play against Louisiana Tech, 4.04 against Boston College, 5.92 against Miami, and then 6.2 yards per play against Louisville. So a few things to, to note there is one is just the, the difference between their personnel before they uh, they lost those guys, those key key players, and then since. That's that's a factor. Another factor, though, is and, and especially, by the way, the 3-3-5 defense that they play. They play a 3-3-5 stack, which is a, uh, aggress- a pretty aggressive defense the way that they play it. They depend on very active and high-quality linebacker play in that scheme. You've got to have defensive linemen that can create some havoc, which they do. And then they've got to have you've got to have linebackers who can run and cover and clean that clean things up. And they had all of that. They had all those pieces in play before the injury to before the injuries to Peyton Wilson and Isaiah Moore. Since then, a little bit less so. Uh, and you know they've got a little bit more vulnerability. But where they've really been vulnerable, and you can see this in in the numbers, is they've been more vulnerable to teams that actually can throw the football down the field. Louisiana Tech, Miami, and Louisville are the three games that they've given up the you know the most yards per play. Six point oh eight to Louisville, uh, to Louisiana Tech, five point nine two to Miami, Louisville six point two. So roughly six yards per play against those teams, and they've been more vulnerable against the pass, partly because they've not been able to get as much pass rush with some of those guys out, and those teams have been able to pick on their safeties in particular, uh, along with their backers in some in, in certain respects to be able to push the ball downfield. And so that's been, that's really been where over the past four games they've been picked on. What that means is that's not exactly the best matchup for Florida state, because frankly, they've still been very good against the run. They're giving up 3.48 yards per carry against the run on the year. And that, that again, there's a little bit of a difference between before the injuries happened. And then after 3.15 yards per carry in the first four games, 3.71 yards per carry in the in the last four. But you'll notice that the big that the difference there is not big. It's not a, a gigantic difference. They've they've been really good against the run. Really, the the three teams that you can look at in terms of how they have have handled the run, they gave up 2.5 yards per per rush against uh, against Miami, partly because they they got some sacks in that game. And then 4.48 yards per per rush against Clemson, and then 5.24 yards per rush against Louisville. And, and there's a couple things that you can note about that. Number one is it's the quarterback running game where they've been most vulnerable. They gave up 76 rushing yards to Malik Cunningham, the, the quarterback for for Louisville, in that game. That's really where they gave up a lot of their their rush yardage. Miami and uh, and Clemson have quarterbacks that not quite so fleet of foot. And those guys really weren't able to get much done in the running game against this NC state team. They're very good on the defensive line. Uh, Joseph, the, the uh, defensive end transfer from Penn state is a quality player. Then you've got Corey Durden who recommitted himself to getting in shape and has played very well this year for NC state after transferring from Florida state. And then a younger guy, Savion Jackson, He's the other guy on the uh, on, on the defensive front. All three of those guys are active and they're big, and they they 
occupy blockers and they're physical. This is going to be a physical matchup for Florida State's offensive line. It's going to be a tough one to win. Uh, and they still have one backer who's really, really good. Drake Thomas, another guy that I coached against when he was in high school. Uh, and he was a he was a dude in high school. And he has uh, transitioned into a dude this year for, uh, for NC State on the interior. A true middle linebacker, but runs well enough to actually be a factor in coverage. And uh, he hits... He is a he is a thumper for sure. Uh, very smart kid gets to the football and and you know when he arrives. Overall, this defense is active and fast to the football. But again, like I said, they they're a little bit more vulnerable to the to the quarterback in the running game. Uh, just don't run quite as well on the edge with the with the backers that they have to be able to chase a really athletic running uh, quarterback. And then the place that you can take advantage of them is, is throwing the football downfield. The problem, like I said, is that this to me is an uphill battle for Florida state against this group. To me, it's a bad matchup against a, a fairly one dimensional Florida state team that hasn't really been able to push the ball down the field and throw the football to set up the run. If Florida state has to be able to run the football and this defense is a defense that has done really well limiting teams that have to run the football. So I think one big factor, the you know obviously the biggest question mark in this game is is Travis going to play? Given all the stuff that's happened in Tallahassee the last uh, the last week, is he going to be ready to go? And if so, how how ready is he going to be to go? You know, Travis gives them a chance to to use his legs in in the in the running game in ways that that stress their defense that you could see against Louisville they had much more trouble with. If Travis isn't in the ball game, that's it's going to be really, really hard for Florida State to run the football against this defense. And if they can't run the football in this defense, it's probably lights out because I don't see Florida State just lining up and throwing it all over the yard the way that Miami or uh, Louisville could. Uh, maybe a little closer to Louisville, but I, I just don't see that as enough of a strength for Florida State. So that's that's the big concern. Now, again, if Travis plays, I think you've got some opportunities in the run game and he he throws it in the deep area well enough to potentially take advantage of, of some safeties. Uh, this is a game where you want to use some play action and, and get some one-on-ones against those safeties down the field and give Travis a couple, a, a few shots. And again, this is a game where you're going to have to score on some of those shot plays in order to win it's, defensively. I don't think they're miles behind the Clemson team that they played this last week, even though over the past month, they've not been quite as good as they were, before at the beginning of the season they were about as good as that Clemson defense now a little bit behind but not quite as good as that as that Clemson defense particularly in the secondary they don't have the the corners that that Clemson does but other than that I mean I think this is this this defensive front for NC State is is going to be a real challenge for Florida State up front turning it over to the Florida State defensive side against the NC State offense this part of the uh, of the preview brought to you by Shenandoah Newsma of Keller Williams Realty in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. You can find her at shenrealestate.com and make sure you tell her you heard about him from us, from the Unconquered Podcast. Looking at that side of the ball, it's been an interesting year for them. They've been a little up and down offensively, and that's kind of been the the book on Kevin uh, or on their on their quarterback Devin Leary. Uh, he he's been really efficient at times like super efficient 180 passer rating type efficient and then at, at other times he's been he struggled to push the ball down the field 
but he is a guy that throws a really pretty ball and they've got some receivers last year, Thayer Thomas, another guy I actually coached against in high school. Uh, Thayer Thomas just destroyed Florida state last year. What was it? 130 yards, something like that. A couple touchdowns. He's their, their, their slot. He still leads them in, in touchdowns this year. Uh, a guy that, that causes a lot of problems with his route running and his overall combination of speed and, uh, intuition in the slot. And he just tore Florida state up last year when Florida state played NC state last year, they really didn't have a guy that could cover the slot receiver all that well. I mean, they were, they were trying to put Travis J in there at that point. They were just kind of rotating whoever they could to try to get into the slot and whoever they put in the slot over Thayer Thomas just got eaten alive last year. I do think this is a place where Florida state is better equipped to, to face North Carolina state this year than they were last year because of the slot corner situation with Kevin Knowles, who I think has really solidified that position for Florida state. He's been, uh, he's been a breath of fresh air. You go back to Thayer Thomas is not a better slot receiver. He's a different kind of slot receiver, but he's not better than Josh Downs who, yeah, he had, you know, he, he had, he got his yardage against Florida state, but ultimately Knowles never really let him get loose and, uh, and was able to hold his own single covering him. And I think that's going to be a big difference in this, in this game. I mean, Thomas is a good player, but I don't think he's just going to torch Knowles the way that he did Florida state from the slot last year. What that does is that puts the onus on Florida state's outside corners to be able to handle 30th year senior Emeka Emezi. Six foot three wide receiver who, you know, he's going to play in the NFL. He's he's got the frame, he's got the body. He's been a good player for a long time. Uh, and then also Devin Carter, another six three wide receiver out there. Those guys are going to be are going to be the real. To me, the, this game is very much going to come down to how well Florida State's able to handle those guys in some 50-50 situations. Is Amezi? Is Carter? Are those guys going to be able to get open down the field? and make plays against Florida State's outside corners. If they can, then I don't think Florida State wins this game. Florida State's outside corners are going to have to hold up against those bigger receivers for NC State. And that, again, not exactly a matchup I'm thrilled about for Florida State for that reason. Now, the other part of North Carolina State's attack, and this is really where they make their, this is where they their, their identity is, is in the running game. They've got two 215-pound-plus running backs that they rotate, Bam Knight and Ricky Person. Person, another guy I coached against in high school. Uh, he was actually a teammate of the other uh, of, of both Thayer Thomas and uh, Drake Thomas uh, at different points, just different, uh, different, different uh, classes in those years. But those guys are, again, big physical running backs, and they have a very good offensive line. Uh, their left tackle, Ikem Ekwonu, is one of the best in the country. Uh, he put, he's put on some clinic tape in terms of just overall technique, in terms of overall uh, physicality at that position this year. He's a guy that you know you could highlight on in just about any play and go, yeah, that guy can really play. And he'll be able to handle Florida State's edges one-on-one. And I'm talking about Jermaine Johnson as well as Keir Thomas. I mean, he can handle both of those guys and they won't have to chip or help him a whole lot on, on those guys. Uh, one of the few guys this year on Florida state's schedule, that'll be able to handle those, those edge guys without help pretty much consistently. Uh, they've also got Grant Gibson. Who's one of the, one of the best centers in the country. So they are really solid up, up the middle. They, they 
I, I think they're going to be without one of their starting guards, Chandler, Chandler Zavala. He, uh, he didn't travel uh, to Miami, and I think he was out again last week. So that helps. But again, this is a big physical offensive line, and they are well-coached, and they're fit. They're guys who get their hands on you, and it is hard to get off those blocks. It's hard to get enough pressure because of how good their offensive line is as well, even when they're in longer yardage. So this is a game where what they're going to try to do is run those backs put themselves in position to be able to play action pass and take some deep shots. And basically Knowles is going to have to handle Thomas. And then those outside receiver or outside corners are going to have to be able to handle those big receivers on those play action down the field throws. Like I said, this is not a big, not a matchup. I'm super thrilled about for Florida state just in terms of how the matchups work out. Because, and one other thing I didn't mention about Devin Leary is he hasn't thrown an interception since they played Mississippi State in the second game of the season. He threw one in the opener against USF and then two against Mississippi State, and he hasn't thrown a pick since. So he's taken care of the football, uh, and this is a team that has taken care of the football. So essentially, you've got an offensive line that can handle, I mean, they handled Clemson's defensive line. And we saw how good Clemson's defensive line was last week. So they handled Clemson's defensive line. You got a quarterback who doesn't turn it over and then big wide receivers who can win jump balls. That is not ideal for this Florida State defense to face. Now, can Florida State win this game? Yes. Can they manage to limit that offense? Yes. They're going to need, though, to be able to handle the, the NC State offensive line and running game at least as well as they did the Clemson off, uh, offensive line and running game. And that's, that's, a, that's I think, a, a taller task. I think NC State's better at those positions, at the offensive line and, and running back spots than Clemson was. And then you look at the wide receivers who are going to be out there that, that you're going to have to match up against the size and experience on the outside that they've got. This is a tough matchup. This is a tough matchup for Florida State. It's not ideal. So as we move into the overall portion of the show, and that overall portion brought to you by Garage Makeovers, the best garage re- remodeling company in South Florida. Information in the show notes for those of you in the uh, in Broward and Palm Beach County. This is going to be a game between a diminished Florida State team, a team that has had some difficulties in the preparation process due to the flu. It's a team where you don't match up on, on e- either side of the ball as well as you did with the Clemson team last week, even though that Clemson team is more talented. I think the NC State game, this NC State team actually has more difficult matchups for Florida State in certain respects than the Clemson team did. Though I think you can get more big plays in the passing game against this NC State team. It's just going to require that you execute in the passing game, which is where Florida State's been weak. You're going to have to compete through it. And the pass defense, the Florida State pass defense has been excellent in recent weeks. Last la- The last month, they've made they've turned the corner. Basically, since Knowles became the starting slot and they moved uh, Jamie Robinson to the boundary corner. They've been really good on, on the, on the past defense side, especially as Jerry and Jones has gotten healthier at the, at that boundary corner position. They've been pretty good on that uh, in pass coverage and they're going to need to be that. And they're going to have to limit those 50, 50 balls in particular to big wide receivers and be opportunistic if they can while really focusing with that front on limiting the running game because NC State is going to come in and they're going to try to bludgeon you with those backs. 
And then the next question is, are you going to be able to score over 24 against that defense? I think it's a, a reasonably tall order. And that's with Jordan Travis. That's assuming that Jordan Travis plays. You're probably going to need 31 to win this game, I think. And I, I think it's going to be tough. So just in terms of matchups, just in terms of looking at what Florida State's been dealing with off the field in terms of, of illness and other issues in terms of preparation this week, I think this is a really tough game for Florida State. It's a game that, you know, I thought a few weeks ago they might be a little in a little better shape for. And with NC State being banged up defensively, I think you've got a you've got a, a puncher's chance in this game. But I think this is a game where I'm I'm gonna I, I just don't like the matchups. I think uh I think this is gonna be if Norvell and staff are able to find ways to smoke and mirrors and get some points in this game enough to score, this will be a real feather in their cap because I think this is a pretty good NC State team. And again, their strengths match up in just the wrong areas for Florida State. So I'm going to pick NC State to win this game 31-24. to 24. I think it's probably about a 55, 50, maybe somewhere between a 55 and 60% chance that NC State wins this game. NC State has not played as well on the road, and that's one of the things that I think you you do hope for if you're Florida State that maybe they don't play uh, to the to the level that they that they played in that they played at last week. Uh, maybe you get the the team that played against Miami, but we'll see. And Miami right now is able to throw the football down the field with Van Dyke in ways that Florida State hasn't been able to do in quite a while. So we'll see whether Florida State's able to to find ways to 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 score enough, and whether they're able to to be physical enough up front in a four-quarter game against a team that that is equipped to pound defenses and, and has a quarterback that hasn't been turning it over. But like I said, I'm going to go with NC State as more likely to win this game, 31-24. to We'll go ahead and wrap it there. Thanks for listening. The Unconquered Podcast is brought to you by EPR Creations, Louis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida, ShenRealEstate.com in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, Garage Makeovers of Palm Beach and Broward County, and the Unconquered Podcast shop at unconqueredpodcast.com, which features stickers, magnets, and other seminal gear. Thanks also to those supporters over at Patreon, where I post video analysis and field questions for the podcast from supporters. I'm especially grateful to those above the dynasty level, that is Andrew Garrett, Brian Leininger, Jonathan Kennedy, Lee Caswell, Travis Smith, Tyler Kashishki, Vince Calandra, and Bert Bertoldi. If you've been enjoying this podcast, please leave a five-star rating over at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts, post us on social media, and tell a friend. This has been the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. Thanks for listening. I made this.